Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, if I sound a little weird, I woke up with this like half a fat lip kind of thing. I don't know if Debbie punched me at night or what, but <laughs> it's like bizarre. So if I, if I sound a little weird, that's probably why. Now, in honor of everyone who's homeschooling, and in honor of everyone who's at home trying to learn stuff, I, I have a pop quiz for you this morning. So we'll, we'll see how well you do. Now, it's only 10 questions. You only need four to pass. So we'll see how well you guys do. So the first one is, how long did the Hundred Years' War last? Sounds like a simple question, right? Hundred Years' War lasted 116 years. (laughs) Uh, Which country makes Panama hats? That should be another simple one, right? Of course, it's Ecuador. They make Panama hats. Um, So keep track. Keep track now. Uh, Number three, which animal do we get cat gut from? It's like cat gut. It's like we don't even hear about that anymore because there's so many new materials, but those were common for tennis rackets once upon a time. But yes, cat gut comes from sheep and horses. So hopefully you guys are, you know, four for four. Uh, Three for three, I mean. Now, four, in which month do Russians celebrate the October Revolution? That should be simple, right? Obviously, it's November. Uh, Yes, it is. What is a camel's hair brush made of? Oh, what could it be? Yes, of course, squirrel fur. Squirrel fur. There we go. My lip kind of made that weird. Number six, the Canary Islands in the Pacific are named after what animal? Oh, no, this one's simple, right? The Canary Islands are named after dogs. <laughs> well, everyone went to birds, I bet, right? Because of the canary. Uh, what was King George VI's first name? Albert, of course. Uh, what color is a purple finch? Now, this has to be the most simple. Yeah, it's crimson. Uh, Where are Chinese gooseberries from? The obvious answer is New Zealand, of course. And then finally, what is the color of the black box in a commercial airplane? (laughs) And the black box is bright orange. So so I'm sure if, now, you know, since we're doing all this stuff online, you know, if you got all of them right, you can post down there that you got all of them right. If you at least got the four to pass, you can say, well, I passed. Uh, So that way we can do that. Or if you want to go on Facebook, you can share there. I have been so excited uh, at the creativity of some people. Uh, There's been some neat stuff on Facebook by people that are, there was a throwback Thursday from the Moorways. They did um, I'm the King of the Jungle, which is a VBS throwback, which like, Totally time warped me, but that was kind of fun. So it's interesting how we're getting creative to connect. Um, I'll challenge you uh, on Wednesday nights especially. It was sort of like this grand version of the Brady Bunch. Go to meeting, you get to see everybody and kind of where they're at, and it's just this big grid of people. And so it was kind of fun to watch and to hear and interact. And it it was interesting because it was like Pastor was done with his uh, devotion and our prayer time, and everyone was like, well, can we talk now? <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. People are dying to fellowship. And I know I feel like that. I'm a very people person. And it, this has been so challenging for me to be cloistered away in my house, <laughs> not talking to people except online, which helps. But still, I don't know. It's not as, as good as the real thing, right? All right. So we're going to dig into 1 Timothy 6. We're kind of concluding this on Palm Sunday, which is exciting because I think what this does is help us really bring a focus um, of what the church is about, what we're supposed to be doing. Um, 
again, I think we talked about this a few times ago when I preached. You know, my focus has been relational uh, aspects with God. And so it's like developing the relational side. It's, it's so easy to remember the details and remember all the, you know, who did this and who did that. And we can get lost in that and forget about how much God wants to connect with us, how much God wants to interact with us, and what he's designed each one of us to be and do. And, and we all have a specific gift and talents that God wants us to exercise and to use um, and so hopefully you will catch some of that for yourself. Um, fighting matters. It's kind of like, you know, every time I, I, I read this in my head, it was like, them there's fighting words. Um, because it's like, there are things that as believers, we should be fighting for. And there's also things that we need to be fighting against as well. So, I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Um, but fighting matters as long as you're fighting for the right things. And sometimes we can fight against the wrong, or fight for the wrong things. Um, so hopefully today you'll get some clarity on what God's asking you to do, what he wants you to kind of bring into your life, or maybe purge out of your life. Um, it kind of does go both ways there. So for some context, um, I'm going to read kind of the first 11 verses. Uh, I apologize, it's kind of lengthy. But I want us to kind of be in that headspace of where Paul was at as he was conveying this so that when we dive into our text today, it'll make the most sense to you. All right, so we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 1, reading down to verse 11. It says, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters should, show them dis should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understanding nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness." And then that leads us into our text here, which is verse 12, where we're going to be kind of focusing on the next few verses this morning. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were made, when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So our, our first kind of admonition here is the fight for faith. And you're, you're thinking that doesn't even make sense. Why should we have to fight for that? We get it at salvation. But there is a war that's being waged. 
And it's like, if you don't watch the news and see that war happening, it's like you're not watching the news. Because you can see that there is this battle that's going back and forth against godly principles and godly beliefs and morality and what the world system wants to push on us. And some of it sounds logical and some of it kind of makes sense and we almost want to adopt it, but we have to go back to God's word is truth. And we have to, to yield and submit and surrender to God's word and his truth. And it can be a battle sometimes. It can be almost a war within our heart. And we have to kind of fight in through that. And so as we fight the good fight of faith, it is a personal fight. It's going to be different for each one of us. Uh, what our, our issues are, what our things are, what we need in life. And so as we kind of live out and work out our salvation... Uh, we've got to try to get to that place where we don't allow the world to rob us. Because that's what can happen. You know, the world can rob us of God's blessing, of God's provision in our life, because we can get focused and we can get distracted on things that make sense, that sound good, but they're really not beneficial or helpful to us. Um, this is a fight for the eternal and this is one of those things where I think people, um, in, in our heads, I think we're at that, you know, yes, I'm a believer, I'm going to heaven, I know what's happening, and we have that mindset, but all of a sudden, <laughs> the alarm clock goes off, our schedule kicks in, and all of a sudden we kind of go into this automatic mode and it's like if there's one thing I've learned that I mean my life has been completely disrupted <laughs> with how we're living right now because it's like I'm a very scheduled person and it's like it just kind of keeps me going halfway through the week I was like what day is it because it's like the days don't feel normal and what's going on is bizarre and it's one of those things where you know keeping eternity in view on a daily basis is a challenge but it's one of those things that as believers, we need to be about that. And one of those things we, we can do to be about that is talking about it. Um, I don't know about you, and I think I mentioned this before, but it was like, I feel, you know, there are days that I feel like I'm in an, um, an episode of Left Behind. Because it's like, I don't know if any of you have seen those movies or watched them, but it was like, you know, I've been in certain parking lots where it's like me and one other car and nothing else, and it's like, this is bizarre. If I didn't know any better, I would think, man, it happened because it just feels weird. And so it's, it's one of those things where when we get out of that schedule, when, when those things happen, it's easy for us to get distracted and get caught up in, okay, what's happening? What are the details that I need to get through today versus being mindful of what God's trying to do in my life, what he wants me to say and interact with different people, although none of us are interacting with anybody right now, so that's going to be a little different. But 1 Corinthians 9.25 challenges us this way. It says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And that particular thing is kind of a nod to Olympians. We should always be preparing for what's really next in God's calendar, um, you know, our calendar, it dictates kind of how we live and what we do, but God's calendar, what's the next thing? And it's his return. And so it's one of those things where, you know, we've got to be about keeping ourselves mindful of that. 
and always kind of having that be part of how we live our life, how we make choices, how we make decisions, so that as we live, it's a part, it's obvious. And, and, and one of those things where it's when God becomes obvious in our lives, um, that becomes attractive to people because they want to know why we think the way we think, why we choose the way we choose, why we do or don't do certain things. And it gives us an opportunity to be a witness, to be a testimony, as was being challenged here. Um, this is also a perpetual fight. Um, you know, some people, they come to, to faith in Christ, and it feels like, okay, I, I, I'm saved. I've got there. But that's really a starting place for believers. Um, you know, other scripture talks about, you know, giving the picture of you know, you're a babe in Christ. You're born again. You're new. So it's really a starting place. Um, so it's, it's a beginning and not the destination of your spiritual journey when you come to Christ. And so that perpetuality of, okay, every day it's learning and growing and changing. I mean, I'm, I'm into my 50s now in, in, in life, and it's like I am still constantly learning. And at this age, there's more and more I realize that, wow, I just, there's so much out there that I don't know, and there's so much more to learn. And so it's constantly an aspect of life where we're growing and learning. It's perpetual. And the same is true as believers. Um, God can use and work all of our situations, all of the things that are going on in our life to further the kingdom, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, so I'm not going to belabor that. But as I mentioned the last time I spoke, the crisis that we have, yes, corona's horrible, and I, I will be thrilled when we're past it. But the bigger crisis is we have people that, without Christ, have a destiny that we don't want to see. And so we, we are the people. We are the vehicle God has empowered, right? And so it's like fighting for our faith, standing up as believers. Um, you know, there's a couple of people I read, and, you know, they talk about just this war that is within the government right now of how, what people want as law and what they want to be happening in our country, and it is real. And some of these things seem small, but as they extrapolate out, they're huge, huge decisions that are so not biblical and so not godly. And so we have got to do our part in that too as citizens, as believers, and fighting for what is right. Uh, and not in a militant way, but I mean, there, there's ways that we can do this. I mean, again, Christ is our example. He was not a militant person, was he? But he knew how to get his point across. So we need to learn that as well. And a lot of that is professing Christ too many. Christ was the same no matter who the author was. Christ lived out loud. His actions, words, and teaching all supported what authors saw in his life. And so that needs to be who we are. And, you know, what we know about Christ, what we know about the word of God, needs to be obvious in our life and in the way we live. It can't just be knowledge. People have to see it because when they see it, they see Christ. And that's an, an excellent opportunity to be about witnessing, even just with our lifestyle and choices. Um, and you know, one thing that we need to realize, we may be the only representation of Christ that someone may see. We might be the only one where they have that opportunity to say, why is it different? Why do you do that? Why don't you do that? 
Um, live on purpose. Know your goal. And so this fight for faith, again, going back to 1 Corinthians 9, 26, it says, so I run with purpose in every step. And it's kind of like, you know, I live by a budget. I've lived by a budget for years. And, um, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. The big guy that, oh, anyways. The financial guy. Ramsey, thank you. Thank you so much. Ramsey, his thing is, you know, think of a budget as pre-spending your money, which is kind of fun. Because it's like, we all like to spend. So it's like, if we pre-spend it, we know where it's going. And that's all how it is. Well, the same needs to be true of our life. You know, it's like, we need to figure out and have a plan for how we're going to live, what we're going to do. Um, I know Pastor Graham, you know, he challenges us, rightly so, that, you know, our calendar is kind of like our budget for life. What's on it shows what we value, shows what's important, shows where we're putting and weighting our lives. And it's one of those things where, and maybe, I don't know if people are feeling it or seeing it, but I certainly do, um, the absence from my brothers and sisters in Christ has an impact. People that challenge me, people that encourage me, people that, uh, you know, help just keep me focused um, are kind of absent. And I feel it. And I'm sure you guys feel it too. It's just different. And so there's that need for us to, you know, purposefully live in a way where we can encourage our brothers and sisters. We can be a witness and a testimony to people. We can have those opportunities to serve and to be involved with ministry. But we've got to purposefully do that. Um, Sometimes I think we (laughs) think the Christian life is just going to happen. Um, It'll just sort of by osmosis, take place in our life, and it doesn't work that way. You know, we've got to live our lives, we've got to make the choices, we've got to make the plans to do what needs to be done. And, you know, the perfect word for that is fight. You know, we have to sometimes fight for taking all the noise and pushing it aside to determine what do I want my life to represent? What do I want to mirror in my life so other people can see, so other people can understand what being a Christian is, what being a godly man is, what being you know, a biblical father or husband or whatever, wife, father, son, etc. And it's like that has to be intentional. It just doesn't happen by osmosis. And the world is warring against us because it's trying to draw us away. It's trying to rob us, really, of what God really wants to do in our life, that blessing, that investment. So the fight for faith. A couple things before we move on. One, have you made that confession of faith to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That's where it starts. You know, you've got to be a believer to be involved in you know, God's plan here. And, and start making it work. Secondly, do you share your faith with others? You know, that's, that's one of those things where it keeps it fresh. It keeps us open to looking and praying for opportunities to talk to people about Christ, to talk to people about what God does or is in your life. Um, you know, that's where my personal relationship, um, once my relational aspect of who God is and how he works in my life, it makes it so much easier to talk about God. Because it's like, I hear him on a regular basis. He's doing things in my life. He's blessing me. He's humbling me sometimes. And it's like, when we talk about it, it's keeping that eternal perspective. It's keeping that view of, 
okay, this is really where we're going because this is not our home. There used to be an old hymn called, you know, this is not our home. And it's not. And it's, we can get settled here and God wants us to get involved here, but we have to remember where our true home is, where our true identity lies, and that's in the kingdom. And then thirdly, are you talking about what Jesus said will be the next event to come? And that's kind of keeping our mind on God's calendar and what he's doing and where we're going with God. And so that can help you fight for faith you know, in your personal aspects and, and that just the daily life and doing it on purpose. All right, next, uh, the fight for the kingdom, all right, which is another good fight to have, focusing on the heavenly, not the earthly. Uh, verses 13 to 15a, it says, In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. And, you know, we can kind of fast forward go, or go into John. John 18, 36 and 37 give us some insight here. here and these are what Jesus, this is what Jesus said to him. He says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say, I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And so this idea of God, Christ knew what was going on. You know, he came from where we're going to go, which is, I think is kind of cool. He knows that destination well. He helped you know, design it. And so it's one of those things where as we look at, you know, the kingdom, that's to come. And that's, that's really where our citizenship is. And that's where our identity is tied to, especially if you're a Christian. That's specifically where it's tied to. And so it's like, you know, I look at my, this last week and the kingdom mindset I had was very challenged. Um, you know, stuff went on with my wife. Stuff happened. And, you know, one of the hardest things I think I've ever done was to watch my wife walk into the hospital and not be able to go with her. It's like that, it's, this thing has created such bizarre things to happen. And it's like, okay, I knew she was going in there. And then at one point I knew she was going to have surgery. And you, you, as no one can go. It's sort of like, you know, they go into this other dimension and you can't go until it's every, whatever happens is it's over. It was so bizarre. And then even when I picked her up, I couldn't go into the hospital to pick her up. You wait at the sidewalk and they deliver her to the car. It was really bizarre. It's like, it was so, yeah, literally she was in a wheelchair. They brought her out and it was like, okay, here you go. It was so bizarre. Um, but it's like, so it's, it's, Again, I understand, and, I, and I, I believe Paul understood the battle of this world is at war with our thinking, at war with our mind. It wants us to believe that this is it. And, and you, can, you can get that really easy, right? When you listen to unbelievers about what they think about this world and where their focus is and where their energy goes, it's, they think this is it. And that's the lie. The enemy wants us to believe that it's only what's here. And once this is done, there's nothing else going on, that this is it. So have a good time and do whatever you can. Not true. 
And as believers, we know better, don't we? And so we have got to kind of fight for the kingdom and help people realize that there is more. And, you know, as we pattern our lives on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, monthly, yearly, to reflect that, the kingdom of God, that we are living for that, that we are moving towards that, um, it's, it's going to challenge people's thinking. It's going to challenge how they live and see us and understand us because it's going to beg questions. It just is. Because it's like when we live as believers, when we walk in such a way that the kingdom is real for us, the kingdom is obvious for people to see, um, it's going to be noticed by people. And again, that's when we're going to be called up to be a witness, called up to be a testimony to those things. Um, <clears throat> live your faith out loud for others to see. And it's like those of you who are in youth group are like, oh, not again, live out loud. Come on, give up that message. I'm not going to give up that message. Live out loud. Live so people know you're a believer. Live so people can see that Christ is in you. It's one of those things that we have to do. Um, following the example of Christ. It's just one of those things that I think is so imperative. And it's, again, it's not to be obnoxious about your Christian faith. It's not to be in people's faces in a way that's just abusive. Um, but it's just allowing yourself to be who Christ created you to be, who he's allowed you to be, wants you to be, and doing that. Um, we have to remember that God is watching. And that, you know, verse 13 start, started with that. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything. End of Christ. Uh, Paul repeats that phrase. It's really, it comes from chapter 5, verse 21. And Paul's reminding Timothy that you know, God is paying attention to what's going on. He knows what's happening. And so it's, it's one of those things where he's our Heavenly Father. And he's the one that we're trying to represent you know, we're part of his family and we're ambassadors. It's like, you know, we see some of the stuff that's gone on in uh, royalty, so to speak. And, you know, Harry and Meghan now are, they're not royalty and they don't do certain things and whatever. But it's like, you know, they still represent that, don't they? That's just how they're going to be seen. And if we're calling ourselves Christians, that's going to be true of how we live. And let me just kind of challenge us because it's like, if we're going to continue to call ourselves Christians and live unchristian-like, that also puts it right on God. You know, we've got, we're representing him, whether positively or negatively. And so it's like we have got to remember that, hey, if you're going to live out loud as a Christian, and again, I, I know we're going to fail. I know, and I'll be the first to admit, I have failed in front of people countless times. And God has challenged me, go back and make it right. And those have been unbelievable opportunities to witness and to be a testimony and to say, hey, you know what? You know, God says that this is wrong and I need to apologize to you or I need to make this right with you. And people are like, what are you talking about? And is it, it, it's off-putting for some people because it's, it's not normal. It's not typical. Um, you know, it's like I've had people that I've counseled with and they'll say, you know, oh, I, you know, I interacted with my coworker like this and I said this and I did this. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, this is the situation and this is how it went down. And it's like, yeah, but that's not how we should be acting. 
I'm like, ah, well, you know, they're not believers, so it doesn't really matter. Absolutely does matter. It matters almost even more. And so it's like, you've got to go back and make that right. And it was really cool. There, again, it's, it's one of those things where all of a sudden that opens the door to be a witness, to be a testimony, and to continue that on because people really want to know. When you invest time in someone, even if it's to make something right, they pay attention. They understand that, okay, there is something different here. This is not how most people act. This is not how most people interact. And so they want to know what's going on and who you are. All right. Keep the commandment until Christ's return, because that's what we're challenged to do there, until his appearing. Um, and this message has got to be something that we, you know, we've got to fight for the kingdom. Um, it's, it's one of those things where the noise and the level of noise that's out there is growing and growing and growing all the time. And so you know, we have got to capitalize on the opportunities that we have. I mean, I am bummed about Easter in the sense of this is usually one of those times where I can tell, you know, all the people that I, I get connected to, people at the bank, people in the stores, hey, come to our Easter service, come to our Easter service. And it's like, can't do that this year. And so, I mean, I can invite people to watch online and, and I will, but it's just different. Um, and it's one of those things where that's one of those opportunities to fight for the kingdom and help people realize God is real. God is alive. God is watching. God is taking care of us. And you can be a part of that too. Uh, but it's getting involved in these things. Uh, but one of those things too, as far as keeping the message alive, uh, we're challenged to do it without spot, without blame. Um, and again, it's not about being perfect. But the thing is, is when we mess up, God has a way for us to fix it. And it's going the whole way. And so he knows we're going to mess up. That's why he's provided a way for us to fix it. Um, but we have to do that. You know, I think that's one of those things where we have got to be mindful of we're representing who God is. And so it's like, it's, it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to make a mistake but just fix it. And so we can do that. And I think that's without spot. It's like, you know, because when we confess it, right, it's gone. It's white as snow. It's like it was never there. And, you know, we will not be blamed because we've made it right. So fight for faith. Fight for the kingdom. Before we move on, just a couple challenging questions. Or kind of they're challenging, but they're questions anyway. Uh, do the decisions you make prove you're focused on the eternal? Or are they more revealing to the temporal? And then secondly, do your daily life habits distinguish you as a Christ follower? And that's a challenge. And I know, just like anyone else, it is super easy to just let the cycle of life and the demands that we have that are put on us become our focus and God becomes this distant kind of person that we occasionally talk to or whatever. All right, thirdly, the fight for real power. And this is, a, this is the exciting part, I think, of this, because it's like, I don't know about you. Let's, let's do a romper room moment. How many of you are exhausted, right? <laughs> 
it's like so many of us are tired, and I think that's indicative of us trying to live life in our own strength and in our own power. And we have a power that's available to us. We have a source that can just provide what we need. And so moving on, um, verse 15b, it says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. And so it's like, we have to be mindful of who God is here, how powerful he is, and what he's providing. Now you go to Acts 1.8, if you know it, great. But if you don't, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But the first part of that is you will receive power. The Holy Spirit is what provides the power that we need. And so many times I think we try to do life in our own strength that it becomes wearisome. It becomes overwhelming. It becomes just, ugh. But it's like when we can allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide, guess what he's going to do? He's going to take care of us. You know, part of living in God's power is also refreshing, restoring, renewing. And we don't do that well. <laughs> we don't do that well as humans. We put ourselves out there. We put our things out there so much that it's like we are running ourselves thin, 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 burning the candle at both ends and all along the center. And it's like we're not designed for that. I mean, one of the proofs to that is what? Sabbath, right? A day of rest, a day when we can kind of shut down and just live a little differently than the normal craziness that we have all week long. Philippians 3.3 also tells us, and we have to be mindful, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. And that's where it's like the fruit of the Spirit, wonderful things. The fruit of the flesh, horrible things. <laughs> it's, that's where exhaustion and strife and anxiety, that's the fruit of the flesh. When we try to make things happen, when we try to you know, force things, it's exhausting. It's overwhelming. And oftentimes, you know, I, that's where I've seen people, they're trying hard to you know, even do good things for God and try to make things happen, but they get very discouraged because it's like, I'm doing all this stuff for God and why isn't it working out? And it's because it's human effort and they're not listening to the Lord. They're not waiting on the Spirit to lead and guide and direct. And so oftentimes God gets blamed for things that are not his fault. And so it's, it's one of those things where learning to live, uh, you know, according to the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to lead and guide and direct becomes a completely different way of life. But you have to fight for that. <laughs> it doesn't just happen through osmosis. You know, you can't just put your Bible under your pillow and all that stuff is going to get in, soak into your head and change who you are. God gives us these truths. God gives us this information so that we can align, so that we can surrender, so that we can add things to our life, take things away from our life that will make it more what he wants it to be. Um, our power comes from the Lord. And it's like simple statement, but remembering who he is, blessed and only ruler. 
King of kings, Lord of lords, immortal, dwells in the light which no man can approach, no man can see, who's due honor and power. And so it's like he is ultimate. He can do anything. And, And when we trust in that relationship and trust in who he is and trust in what he says is truth. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes. And again, because it's a fight. Sometimes God asks us, do th- asks us to do things that they don't seem logical. They just don't. You know, give away your money. That doesn't seem logical. <laughs> but it's one of those things, you know, go on a mission trip or do this or, you know, give this thing away that you have. Why, why would God want me to do that? That doesn't even make sense. And it, sometimes it's just challenging us. Does he have it all? Does he have all of us? Is it all in his hands? Are you willing to do what he says? And it's one of those things where as we learn to live in this way where it's like, okay, I'm trusting God no matter what, even when it's challenging, even when it doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to trust him. And it's like, when you start to live that way, you will start to see him working more. You will start to see his hand. You will start to hear his voice. And, and I'm not, again, not audibly, but it's like, you will be more in sync with God. And it's like, that's where this, this power to walk in boldness comes in. I mean, I've had opportunities where, bizarre, you know, in restaurants where, I really feel compelled to talk to somebody. And it's like, that's just weird. <laughs> but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, God, I really get, I'm getting a sense that this is what you want me to do. And I will say, I know you might think this is weird, but I have a real sense that, you know, God has given me a real sense to talk to you. Is there is something going on in your life? And sometimes someone will open up about whatever. And it will lead into a witnessing opportunity, which is really cool. Um, we can see God's power working in us. And when you start to see that, guess what? It gives you a confidence to walk in that power and to walk in that strength and to do those things. All right, we got to press on. James 1.17 says, Whatever is good, perfect, is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. And so it's like, you know, if we want these good things to happen in our life, if we want everything that's good and perfect to happen in our life, we have to realize that it's going to come down from God. It's yielding to him. It's surrendering to him. And that's that idea of, you know, human effort. We've got to let that go. There's nothing we can do that's going to be good and wonderful and excellent. Only what God can do in us and through us is going to be that. And so it's like letting go of, I mean, one of the, it sounds counterintuitive, but stop trying to live the Christian life and just live the Christian life. Because I think sometimes we try so hard to do things that, oh, God will be happy with this, or God will be whatever. And we do these things that are, it's humanly built up. And God just wants us to just rest in him and live in him and just live. And it doesn't make sense because it's like, well, we should be doing these things for God. You will when you listen to him, when you yield to him, when you surrender to him. Um, Our fight is against pursuing earthly things. Um, and it's just one of those things where there's so much out there, there's so many things, and it's interesting, and they're not bad, but they're not necessary oftentimes either. Um, and it's one of those things where it's getting our head to a place where it's like, I am content 
with what God has given me, who I am and where I am, and growing in that contentment. Um, Ephesians 4.21, we're almost to the end here. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is how the power of God works in us. It's putting off the old, putting on the new. And again, think about it. Getting to a place where you could almost believe that you're righteous and holy. And I say that because we struggle with that. Because the reality is, in Christ, we are righteous, we are holy. But we struggle with that. But when we get to that place where that's what we believe about ourselves, not that it's arrogant and puffed up, but that we're trusting that this is what Christ did for me and this is what it accomplishes, it gives us power over the enemy. It gives us power to walk in the ways that God wants us to walk. It gives us power to live against all the noise that is telling us to live a different way. Here's the conclusion. Nice and sweet, nice and quick. Are you fighting for your faith? Are you fighting for the kingdom? Are you fighting for real power? Or are you caught up in the daily cycle of life that distracts you from these important elements of the Christian life? Think about it. Think about where your time is spent or invested or put or whatever. My challenge is for you to get in the fight today until Christ returns. I mean, we're celebrating all he's doing right now. We're celebrating his resurrection, which is what empowers us, which is what accomplishes the very fact that we can have victory over sin and death. It's there. We're believing it for eternity, but are we living for eternity today? Only you know. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we do come before you this morning, Lord, humbled you provide so much for us. There is so much available. There is so much at our disposal. And you want us to be involved with it. You want us to use it. You want us to get involved with all that you have. Lord, we're your sons, we're your daughters, and you want to provide for us. But Lord, oftentimes we try to pursue other things. Things that rob us of your blessing. Things that rob us of your praise, things that rob us of just feeling comfortable or feeling rested. And Lord, I, I pray, Father, that we would yield to this message uh, that Paul had for Timothy to challenge the church and how they live, to fight for those things that will give us opportunities to talk about you, that will solidify our identity in you, but not only that, that will empower us to do the work of the ministry that we're all called to do. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for an opportunity to meet. We ask, Lord, for your safety through this time. We also ask, Lord, that you will provide wisdom and understanding for the people that are involved that can produce something that could eradicate this. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you will work in those ways. Lord, we are mindful as well for people who are recovering from different things, whether they're in the hospital or at home, uh, or in rehabilitation. We ask for your hand of blessing there and protection as well uh, because this virus certainly uh, hurts people that are 
and more compromised health-wise. And we just ask for your protection on them. Carry us through this week and this into next week, Lord, as we celebrate um, your resurrection. And it's in Christ's name we pray today. Amen. Thank you very much.